We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.
Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to the show, especially David and you other loyal listeners, and welcome to you who are new to the program. Today we talk about sensing things in the future and how they are related to coincidences. When talking with a friend, consider this. After discussing the weather, tell each other the best coincidence story you can think of. And I'm going to tell you another one of mine. Just happened a little while ago, but a few months ago, as the story begins, I broke up with someone in another town. She was hurt that I used texting to break up with her. She asked me to call her to apologize for the way I did it, and I did. The main reason I broke up with her was because she showed so little showed so little curiosity about me and talked so much about herself. And I tried to bring it up to her, but we couldn't do it. Three days ago, one of my patients told me she was deeply hurt that her boyfriend of a year had broken up with her by text. His reason? She hardly ever listened to him. She talked mostly about herself. So here my patient was telling me something that was pretty dramatic for me that she was going through too. Now, it happens that people do break up by text, uh, but this had never happened to me and had never heard that story before. What it allowed me to do was be clearly empathic with her boyfriend in a way that I could not have been without my own similar experience. So I could tell her what it felt like for him. And she taught me about what it was like for my ex-girlfriend. No matter how you explain them, coincidences matter because they give events in your life some meaning and usefulness. Dr. Julia Mossbridge is a fellow at the Institute for Noetic Science, an associate professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies and the executive director of the nonprofit, the Institute for Love and Time. She is best known for her research into the phenomenon of presentiment, which reveals that our bodies appear to know on an unconscious level, unconscious physiological level, when we are going to view an emotional image up to 10 seconds before the image is viewed. She has rigorously researched a wide range of fascinating subjects, including dreaming, waking precognition, the perception of time, and how sound influences mood. Additionally, she has explored models for personal transformation and transcendence. After receiving her PhD in psychoacoustics, focus on timing, she did her postdoctoral work in audiovisual synchrony at Northwestern University. She is the author or co-author of several books, including Transcendent Mind 2017, which was published by the American Psychological Association, which is a pretty good thing to have happened. Welcome to the show, Julia. Hey, thank you, Bernie. I'm excited to be here. Well, tell me, what do you think of that story that I told about my patient and uh, text messaging? Well, I think it's a beautiful example of 
coincidence or synchronicity as a, as a two-way mirror for you and the patient. Both yeah. ho- holding up for both of you what was going on for the opposing person. I, I just, I, it's a really, I, I, I don't know. I wonder if that's, part of me wonders already just hearing that story, if that's what makes coincidences power, the ones that are powerful to us, if, if the mirror aspect of it is what makes them powerful, I'm not sure. A lot of them do have mirrors like that. Um, and the surprising thing for all of us in this looking at coincidences is how that makes you think that your environment, your mind and your environment are much more closely connected than we usually think they are. Yeah, it really underscores the connection in ways that we don't understand, but that we that we crave to experience. I think it, it's a meaning making coincidences are a meaning making phenomena. And, uh, and there's, I, I just feel as people tend to drift away from religion as a source of meaning making, we're going to find our own experiences as meaningful like this. I think it's, I think it's very powerful. It's uh, it's part of the reason we're drawn to them. And no matter how we explain them, they still tend to create meaning. And that meaning that that story tells us and the mirroring that it reflects is that our minds and our environments are much more closely connected, that our minds are more connected with each other and our minds are more connected to what's around us in ways that we still need to be able to articulate and try to understand. Now, you've had a, you, you had a lot of coincidences happen with you, and one of them involved your son when he was 13. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. See, I think about that as you're oriented towards coincidences and I'm oriented towards precognition or getting information about the future, whether it's conscious or unconscious. But really, the events are, they, they could be described either way. So my experience was, my son was 13. I was living with my boyfriend, who is now my husband, and he was being a erstwhile stepfather to my son. But at the same time, he was going through a really uh, horrible illness related to his lungs. He ended up having to have a lung transplant, and he's perfectly fine now, seven years wow. out. Wow. Which wow. is great. That's a, but that's, yeah. Yeah, that's some. It was. It was something. There's some interesting coincidences there to talk about too. But there, ha- in there, this ha- story- there had to be on that one. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. But on on this story or this story, he's you know my boyfriend. He hasn't had the transplant yet, and he's on oxygen because he can't breathe very well. So I've I've been working from home, and then my son comes home from eighth grade. And he rides his bike to and and from school. And usually he parks his bike in the garage and comes in and says hi, and I fix him a snack, and we talk about the day. Well, on this particular day, he rides his bike home from school, parks it in the garage, comes in, and immediately I'm very upset at him for absolutely no reason because I'm convinced he did not check to see if he locked his bike in the garage. And and it feels very irrational, so I... Uh, sometimes when things feel irrational, I think, okay, what's wrong? You know, am I getting some hormonal thing or what's happening to me? But at this time, I didn't even have that self-reflection. I was sure that there was some kind of problem with my son that he didn't lock the bike in the garage. 
So I started in on him sort of like, you know, you have to go to the garage and check on the door. And he's like, what? He was very disoriented and couldn't understand my concern. We didn't live in that bad of an area. And um, the garage was separated from the house, but, you know, there's really no reason why it was that important. And so after a few minutes of this, my boyfriend says to me, you know, in between breaths, he says to me, Julia, if it's so important to you, why don't you go out and check to see if the garage is locked? So I say, okay. So I huff out of the house and I go to the garage and I, it in fact is locked after all that. So he did the right thing. Um, even though I was convinced he didn't irrationally. And then I huff back to the house. I'm still irritated, even though, you know, the apparent topic of my concern has been resolved. So I'm still still irritated. I come back in the house and on the corner of the house is the electrical meter. And I notice as I'm coming in that it's on fire. And that's not good. It's just silently burning away. No smell, no sound. And um, the flames are about a foot high. <laughs> about how, about how um, high? About a foot high. You know, it's, yeah. it's really on fire. And on the other side of that electrical meter is one of my husband's, or sorry, at the time, boyfriend's oxygen tanks. And I think, you know, inside the house. And so this is on the outside of the house. And I think that's really bad, too. So I run inside the house, shut off the power, and call the fire department. And everyone's happy that that happened. Um, they weren't happy about how that happened, of course. It wasn't great that I had to get there through huffing and puffing and accusing my son of doing nefarious deeds that weren't even nefarious. But um, but in the end, it worked out that I had to leave the house, apparently, to come back inside and, and see that, that fire. So that's and, a coincidence that, that yeah. felt like a precognition to me, or precognitive compulsion. Yeah, that's what you call a precognitive compulsion. Um, the the coincidence had something to do with the feeling you had and the need to go and do something about it. And there you, that feeling got matched with something that was out there. And coincidences cover a broad range of territory. And they include things like this because uh, they, it's a coincidence that you felt this and had to go out there. But then the explanation heads in the direction of uh, precognition. And the, the fact that you could do that is part of what I'm trying to help our, our, our listeners be able to understand that within each of us is a capacity to be able to sense something about what might happen among many other things that we might call coincidence at first and have other explanations. But that feeling inside matched something outside. There was a disturbance in you and there was a disturbance outside, particularly a disturbance that could have been a huge disturbance. The fire could have hit the oxygen and the oxygen could have blown up the house. And that would have been a major, major difficulty for everyone involved. So that kind of matching <laughs> is, is what we talk talk about with coincidences uh, we've come to the end of this segment uh, we're we're talking with Julia Mossbridge uh, and she is uh, the author of of the book Transcendent Mind published by the American Psychological Association
How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes, composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, create sacred space in which to live and work, empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried-and-true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading-edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We were talking with Julia Mossbridge, who is the co-author of the book Transcendent Mind. Well, Julia, uh, we've talked about several things here, but I want to know uh, about your institute um, and how the what's the relationship between love and time. So do I, Bernie. So do I. Um, 
Well, your institute has that name in it, and uh, it's it's what you put together, and that's why you're doing it. But what what's what do you got there? Yeah, so part of the reason I say so do I is because so the institute is called the Institute for Love and Time Tilt, and it has occurred to me over the last several years that two of my major interests in research one is unconditional love, understanding that in a scientific way, and the other is uh, time or or time travel, so how, how time doesn't work linearly and how it does work in, in reality. Um, these, these two things potentially are related, and I have a sort of a back-of-my-mind intuition that they are related, but I started the Institute to try to help sort of ask this question about how are they related, because when I talk about them to other people, they seem to think they're related too. And so here's what I've come up with. But this is sort of a draft, um, a draft statement, because the point of the Institute is to eventually fund research and applications that help help describe both unconditional love and time travel scientifically, mathematically, and and also help people actually use them. So scale those two ideas, which are both both of them are moon shots and together it's like a Mars shot. So, but but here's here's my draft statement. Let's see how this sits with you um, and your audience. Um, okay, so unconditional love is an experience where you are loving. It's a one-sided platonic love. So it's not a romantic love. It's one-sided in that it doesn't matter what the response of anyone else is. If you're unconditionally loving someone or unconditionally loving yourself, or unconditionally loving a dog, or anything, um, you're unconditionally loving, and it doesn't matter whether that person, or dog, or yourself says, oh, I love you back. I think it's important that you bring up dog, and maybe other animals, too, because one of the one of the, the one of probably the main reason why dogs are so popular among people is because of their unconditional love of their whoever their master is. Yeah, they're really great models for unconditional love. Not all of them, but many of them. Many of them, yes. Are, many of them feel like sort of guardians of unconditional love or something. I don't know. There's something about dogs. So, yeah. of course, I'm a dog person. So there you go. But um. The unconditional love experience of non-transactionality or being transcending the sort of binary sense of here's me, here's you, and never the twain shall meet. Um, unconditional love transcends that or removes those boundaries. And it's possible that unconditional love also removes boundaries in time so that we are better connected to ourselves and others over time so that we can... That's a that's pass a that's fascinating. So we right. can pass information between each other. You mean? Yes, between ourselves, you know, past and future selves, and then uh, and then across across time to other people. Yeah. So that's that's the far out idea, and I think there's something there, but it's not rigorously defined scientifically, well, I, and I, I want to do that. I think that's a very interesting idea. It, co- it connects with. Uh, what I think about minds being able to connect with each other because the minds are able to connect with each other as my experiences with simulpathity, the feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance, which many people are able to report happens to them. And that usually happens with people with whom they are 
closely connected and who who are who love them and love them too love them back and that a kind of simple formula about uh, that intention plus emotion connects minds and the emotion of unconditional love looks like one that can really open up that what i call tunnels between minds that makes that communication of emotion and thought more possible Maybe I, that's a, I like the emotion and intention, but uh, but I think of unconditional love not as an emotion. I feel like it's bigger. I feel like it's a, almost like a force. I feel like it's something not something you have like anger or sadness or joy, but something you access. And so it's almost like this outside force that when you access it, you're not strictly just your body or just your, if you believe in a spirit or or some kind of essence, you're not strictly just that individuality. Let's say you're, you're accessing this transcendent thing. And so, yeah, I I think unconditional love is like a very powerful force in the universe. In fact. And so um, it feels minimizing a little to call it an emotion because emotions are so tied to our bodies and so tied to our individual personalities. So I, I guess I would sort of, sort of, uh, suggest another framing for that. Well, what do you I think? I'd suggest another framing for unconditional love because when we think about love, we usually think about something from the heart, and something from the heart is a physical thing. So that this the unconditional love that may be out there that we can tap into. Uh, requires a conduit of our bodies, I'd think, to be able to say that I have unconditional love for someone. Yeah, it does. We do experience everything through our bodies, or or most things through our bodies. Most things, yeah. Yeah, But, but I don't think that means that unconditional love is an emotion. I think we experience things that are not emotions through our bodies, and... So I think we can experience external, or not external, but pervasive, universe-pervading forces through our bodies as well. Yeah, and I think the words become a problem here. Um, <laughs> as uh, always. We, as always, and, and we have to recognize they're two-dimensional they're two-dimensional elements that try to f- define something that's three-dimensional or more. And you're, what you're saying which is a different way of thinking about it, is that unconditional love exists out there somewhere, separate from us, but within us, you would say also, I think, but also outside of us. And that wherever it is, and it's hard to track it in kind of three-dimensional space, we can pick, we can tune into it, become part with it. And then, and this is part of my question, is it gets directed towards someone in some way or another. Well, I, I think of unconditional love as, as originating outside of space-time. So it definitely pervades space-time and potentially produces space-time, but in some way that we don't understand and that I can't make clear. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say transcends space-time for sure. So when you're in touch with it, potentially, we mentally or, or intuitively, we may have the ability to transcend space-time as well. In terms of being directed towards someone, my experience with unconditional love is when you're really having an experience of unconditional love, 
if I have unconditional love for myself, I simultaneously have it for everything else and everyone else. And if I, when I say have, I mean access, or I'm using those interchangeably. When I access unconditional love for someone else, like a particular person, I can't, I can't just direct it at that person. It actually, in fact, it's so unconditional. It's not just the person. That's not conditioned on who it's directed towards. You see, so it's like. That's a that gets like all, that gets confusing uh, to this listener here, me, because um, <laughs> if I have unconditional love for someone, and we were talking about that earlier, uh, that was uh, that uh, that allows for communication between me and that other person in ways we don't usually think of, and now you're saying it's something that's kind of general, that uh, that applies to everyone, that, that, not everyone, but that's in in me or through me to someone else yeah. or to everyone else. So part of the problem we've got here is a one of terminology. And for, for, I brought up the dog at the beginning because it's a it's an easy way for us to talk about what unconditional love looks like because dogs often uh, are kept because they're, they have unconditional love for the for their owner and that we love that we love being around uh, a being that has that kind of feeling what it looks like to be for us the dog doesn't have it for everybody we know that they really get focused so part of the trouble is the semantics of what you're talking about is is unconditional love for me for her for for everybody for maybe i can see how there are people who are, are are advanced where they have unconditional love for humanity, but that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about us chickens running around here on Earth trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing. Well, my experience is that uh, the piece that resolves the confusion is the intention piece. So you could have – my experience is when I actually have unconditional love, there's no division between – people or things or anything like unconditional love is too expansive. It overtakes me. Right. But if you combine that with a specific intention, which is individual, like I'm having unconditional love period, I'm having an experience of unconditional love period. And my intention is to connect this unconditional love, uh, specifically with my mother, for instance, then that seems to me to resolve the confusion. So you, you had originally said it's emotion plus intention, and it seems to me, in this case, if we if you want to call it uh, unconditional love an emotion, then I would say it's the most powerful emotion there is because it overtakes people. And yeah. then you would combine that with intention to get the individuality that and the direction that you're talking about. Okay. We've come to the end of this segment, Julia, and we're going to talk about this in the next one. We're talking with with Julia Musbridge, who is the author, co-author of Transcendent Mind. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. 
As this is the first book in the esoteric series, modern esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you considering calling a psychic to read your situation? Then consider David Champion, a psychic medium for more than 20 years with thousands of readings under his belt. David Champion will make you feel comfortable. He has proven to be honest and accurate. He's a straight shooter. There's no guesswork. What he sees is what you get. While he is a medium, most of the calls focus on relationships, not only love, but work, school, neighbors, and more. Need help with finding a job and preparing for the interview? Are you dealing with people who are obstacles in your path? For more information, go to davidchampion.com, $1.50 per minute, paid by credit card, with a minimum of 30 minutes. For your reading with David Champion, call one 702 8598 That's one 702 8598 Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Julia Mossbridge, who is a fellow at the Institute for Noetic Sciences. And Julia, we've been talking about um, unconditional love. And it's such, it's such a wonderful idea and a, as well as a wonderful feeling when one's involved with it. How does, how, do, how does unconditional love get involved with coincidences or synchronicities? Let's explore that. I, I don't know the answer to that question um, at all. And, and I think it's a, a very interesting question. So let's think about that. So unconditional love, you can think about it as a very, very powerful emotion, or you could think about it as some kind of force that pervades the universe. But in any case, as you access it, what feels to me happens is there's a increase in meaning a sense of, of meaning of one's life but also a sense of um, lack of importance so the ego or the sense of self-importance disappears or, or doesn't 
necessarily get obliterated, but it but it drops down. There's yeah. more humility. Yeah. Right? Because there's you're just this tiny droplet in the wave, right? Mm-hmm. And so coincidences, I think, become less, in a certain sense, less powerful because the coincidences are reminding you that you're connected. And when you're in that state, you don't need a reminder because you are the connection. You feel the connection. It is very apparent to you. It's like, yes, here, here I am as a little droplet in the wave and I'm also the wave, you know. And at the same time, I think coincidences happen even more, but you don't, I don't know, it's not a big deal. So I, I think that that we need coincidences to remind us of this I-thou relationship that Martin Buber talks about. And then when we're in the state where we are very aware of that, of that productivity between us and everything, we don't need them as much. And I think we go in and out of that state of needing them and not needing them. And so, that, yeah, that's my sense. What do you think? One of the one things that does happen uh, when you're in the flow, which is kind of another way of talking about what you're talking about, you you see more coincidences and they become expectable. Um, and that's what I'm hoping to help uh, our listeners be able to find that they that coincidences are regular parts of their lives in many different ways, including being in love, as well as remarkable events to those who don't experience a lot of coincidences that say maybe there's something else going on here that I can tune into. And being in love is one way in which that happens. And I'm just calling being in love. And I'm here I'm going to now not unconditional love, but romantic love um, and time. Because one of the very common events that happens to people who somehow fall in love and coincidences bring them together or they happen while they're together and they start sharing their coincidences with each other and they begin to get to at least one of them sometimes, not both of them, uh, begin to think that, wow, this relationship is meant to be that this will last forever, that eternity seems like possible for this relationship to continue into. And so there's my relationship, not between unconditional love, but romantic love and coincidences. Right. And the thing about romantic love is it's conditional. You're always looking to see, does this partner return my feelings? You're always questioning that at the beginning of a relationship, right? When you're falling in love. And so I think the coincidences are really helpful and necessary during that time to make you feel connected to the other person. And I feel like in, in, as a relationships continue and you start to feel unconditional love for this person and, and the, the conditional peace falls away, I think the coincidences may still happen, but they're just, they're just not as critical because you don't, need them in that particular relationship anymore. Now you need them in your relationship with a new friend or you need them in your relationship with a new new pet or something. So so I think coincidences are this reminder of connection, but then when you feel secure in the con- connection, I think they 
happen in other relationships. Do, do you I, know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, I, and that's one use of them, the reminders of, of connection. I'm talking about there even being like not just reminders, but for some people, they are the determiners to them that this means this relationship is meant to be. It's much more than just that they're reminders. There are kind of what you're saying that maybe they are connectors that say there's something going on here. But too often, too often, one person is noticing the coincidences and saying, "Wow, this means we should be together. Or it's meant for meant to be." And the other one says, "That that doesn't seem to me to be that way." Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't match the other side of the mirror. They don't. It's they don't. The other side of the mirror doesn't see the same thing. Yeah, they they're, they're not there. So that's that's where uh, I get to wondering about love and coincidences. It's one of the more pressing questions that um, people ask me and wonder about uh, this question of just do these coincidences mean that my love for her that our love is meant to be they wonder about that the coincidences seem like they're saying that this is eternity and this is where I bring in the love and time connection with you it feels like eternity to at least one person and to, mm-hmm. if it does for both people, there's sometimes, and, and this story is not uncommon either, if it feels to both person that it's meant for, to be forever, some of them end up not working on their relationship <laughs> because it may bring wait, them Wait, wait, how does that work? Because once they have, they feel like it's meant to be, so then they get oh. married or have a relationship with each other, so then they just keep wandering around with each other and don't look at how they are different people also and need to be I able see, to pay, pay attention to the problems that we inevitably bring to each other. We're not just mirrors of each other. We are also very different with each other and from each other, and we have to resolve and begin to tolerate sometimes these differences. Yes. Yeah. And that's interesting that, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Um, that's that idea of faith. Well, if it's faded, it's almost a fatalistic approach. If it's faded, then I don't really have to do anything. And I can yes. see how that. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, those coincidences are showing me it's faded. So therefore I'm like a pawn in the universe's game. Yeah. And yeah. So that's when. Yeah. Sorry. So it's, go ahead. So it's going to work out. Right. 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 And so I think that's a, yeah, that's a, it seems, feels like a misusing of coincidences because coincidences remind us of, of our connection, but connection is connection. It's, it's fluid. It's flexible. It's, you know, when one part changes the other part, it affects the other part and vice versa. So connection is in a way a double-edged sword, right? We're all connected, and like sometimes I wish I weren't so connected to my partner because it's so you know difficult when he's like this or I'm like that. So, so that connection. If if people are not reminded of the connection and are instead have the opinion that a coincidence means they don't have to do anything and they're not in connection with the rest of the universe. That's the opposite, seems to me, the opposite message of a, of a coincidence or the message that's not so helpful. Yes, the full message. Yes, it does. The full message of coincidence is that they aren't all that good for everyone all the time. Uh, 
that they can yeah. be problematic and that what's so important here is that relationships do change over time and connections do change over time so the ability to connect varies with uh, lots of circumstances and coincidences may establish as you were talking about earlier the fact of a connection but those connections fade or turn or twist so that the ability to have minds connect with each other over space, which happens sometimes, also varies with the degree of connection between the two people involved. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a, there's a shift in that, too, and that has to be actively uh, engaged in. It has to be actively engaged in to maintain or even to break it up. I mean, what what do people do who have been together for a long time and then break up with each other? It takes a while, usually, when there's a lot of emotion between the two of them, uh, to be able to emotionally sever the bond. And I, here I come back to the unconditional love question. Um, just when you unconditionally love someone, we talk about being connected with them but then it's not connected with them. And I understand how you're thinking about this, that it, you're almost channeling unconditionally love unconditional love to someone, yet there's something that doesn't have anything to do with the other person that's involved. Yeah, it's one of the, yeah, in a, in a way, unconditional love is bigger than any one person. And um, so, I mean, the, so, so I think we're not very used to thinking about unconditional love in our culture but there is something very powerful about the experience because even if I have a a dread enemy, you know, someone who I just really, really have a hard time with, I have unresolved feelings towards, if I experience unconditional love for person A, that person B is going <laughs> to end up having those feelings towards them from me because I can't help it. It's like, it's like, taking a bucket of paint and dumping it over a house and saying, well, I just wanted to, to paint this one area of the chimney. Well, you got everything. You did get the area of the chimney, but you got everything because that's the nature of dumping a bucket of paint over a house. Now we've come and to the end of could, we've yeah. come to the end of this painting right here for this for this segment. <laughs> You're listening to Connected with Coincidence. <laughs> I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Julia Musbridge. Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME.
What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Ancients knew what we have forgotten. In order to be empowered by nature, one must be aligned with the way life works. We've become increasingly disconnected from the earth and her cycles to our extreme detriment. The medicine wheel ceremony is an ancient rite practiced by shaman worldwide to recalibrate their people with the powers of the universe. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, at the Galactic Shamanism Retreat this spring equinox, March 18th through the 22nd, in the beautiful Colorado mountains. During this life-changing three-day medicine wheel training, you'll learn to build and maintain your own cross-cultural shamanic medicine wheel to promote manifestation, health, and personal power. Empower yourself with the wisdom of the ancients. Contact Touch In at findyourpathhome.com or call 303-775-3431. Welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are talking with Julia Musbridge, who is a fellow at the Institute for Noetic Sciences, associate professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies, and author of Transcend- co-author of Transcendent Mind. So, Julia, we've been talking about, hey, love. We've been talking about love. We've been talking about love. What is love? What is love? What is love? I mean, that's a question a lot of rock and roll songs and many songs before and afterwards have been trying to answer. And here we're talking about what I hesitate to call as a subsection of love, when it's really the overarching thing of love that we're talking about is unconditional love. And you're you're, you're suggesting that unconditional love exists somewhere outside of space and time, which is hard for us human beings and our bodies to get some good sense of, but we can tune into it. And you have, and you do. So what is your, what is your experience of unconditional love, Julie? Uh, yeah, just a caveat. It's not like I tune into it all the time, and there are times when you could tell for sure I wasn't in a state of unconditional love. But when I tune into it, my experience is that um, I know that I know that I exist. I know that I exist because when I say I, I'm not referring necessarily to my individuality, but to it's like I'm more identified with the transcendent I or the transcendent 
experience that we're all connected to, but sometimes we're not aware of, or oftentimes we're not aware of. And so it's a very, the actual sort of felt experience in my body is very relaxed, um, grounded. There's really nothing that I can be afraid of. I don't have the capacity to fear uh, in that state because it doesn't make sense. What would there be to be afraid of? Um, this is almost almost and, like when people when people look to to what however they label their God, they 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 say I can I feel I am being loved by my God. Yeah, that's how it feels. If you believe in God, and I have the I have the experience of God, so I I I'm a, as a scientist. I go with what my experience is. I go with the empirical data, which means the experiential data, really. Yeah. So I go with my experience. So I have an experience of God. So I, I have the experience of being loved by God. And to me, that's equivalent with, equivalent to the experience of unconditional love. Yeah. So that's how yeah. I, I experience it. Yeah, when, when people say, Jesus loves me, I think they are tuning into, or at least trying to tune into, what you're talking about. Right, without even ever having to talk to to, to use these words, and so I feel like it's it's awkward with the words because they don't, um, you know, it's like trying, you know, tell like if I never saw Monet, trying to describe a Monet, but only being able to use three words, you know. Yeah, it's. Um, pretty difficult <laughs> and that's part of our challenge that includes me as well as you is to try to to refine these experiences in terms that are comprehensible to other people so that these words give them a doorway into experiencing what we're talking about you know it's helpful to talk about what it isn't because i think there's some confusion about what it is and what it isn't and so i can tell you what it isn't what is, is what, just, what, what what is it isn't julia <laughs> what is it isn't yes <laughs> what i think it isn't is it's not like perpetual happiness or an experience of constant bliss it it, it has no almost no relationship to your emotional state except for this lack of fear peace um for instance, I could be feeling unconditional love, and if I have a child who wanders out into the street, I can go and scoop them up and bring them back and be upset at them and still be feeling unconditional love for them and, and everyone. Um, so my emotional state isn't everything's wonderful and beautiful and fine and perfect and I'm totally happy, but there's no fear so I, I just wanted to point that out. So you can be angry even and be in a state of unconditional love, like in a kind of justifiable rage. Like I think of Martin Luther King when he would give some of his speeches. He had justifiable rage, but he also came often from an experience of unconditional love and talked about it. And so... Uh, that, that's so that's getting that's getting to be um, more clear. But we define things by what they are, what they're similar to, and what they're different from. And that's what yeah. you are doing right here: is that you can have what we might call negative emotions, like fear, like rage, 
Um, or you can have you can have well you can, you can have fear while also having unconditional love. I assume, even though you I said don't, I, I'm sure you can. I just think it's I, maybe you can, but I just it's not my experience that I ever do. Like that's the one emotion that goes away huh. is fear. It's 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 interesting. It makes sense though because fear is based on this idea that you could be hurt. Yeah, and if you're experiencing unconditional love, there's literally nothing that could hurt you. Someone could come in and slice your throat and kill you, but if you're experiencing unconditional love, that doesn't matter in the least. Uh, your body might say something different. Your body would say something different, but <laughs> I'm yeah, just so- saying your emotional experience I don't think would include fear. I think you would fight for your life, but I don't and think that, it would. And- you'd actually experience fear. Well, I would. Um, I mean, you can tell me that I wouldn't, but my bo- the fear is a is a label we put on a bodily experience, uh, and it's a fairly well recognized one. Um, and that's I don't think fear is too hard to under to get confused about defining. Although, anytime you can pick a word, you can pick it apart too. Uh, but any, anyway, what you're for, from your perspective, you're trying to say you can be raged like Martin Luther King at the same time have unconditional love for other people. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's and you could be unhappy. You could be sad. You could be mourning the the difficulty of being a human and how hard it is and things like that. So those are all different experiences you can have. But when you have unconditional love, my experience is when I have unconditional love, um, the separation is gone. And so it's, um, so fear just doesn't make any sense or doesn't seem to be entering into the equation. Well, one of the other questions I can have for you is as we learn to notice coincidences in our lives, can they help us become more loving and to feel more healthy? Oh, I think absolutely. Don't I mean I'm I'm based on your writings and your work. I know that you do, but um, I absolutely do. I think they can, and I think they can also be misused, as we've discussed. You know, if you turn into a fatalistic, I guess the universe just has this plan for me, and all I have to do is read the signs and passively go along. Um, that feels to me like not the approach that works or that's healthy, but it feels to me that the approach that's healthy is to sort of come from a point of curiosity. Oh, this happened. And this, this was pretty close in time to this other thing. And they seem so disconnected, but maybe they're connected. And and what does that tell me about meaning? And what does that tell me might be important to me that I even see the connection and feel that they're connected. These are, really good curiosity questions that can bring about interesting shifts, I think. Curiosity curiosity is health promoting. Being curious. Well there's data evidence to show that it's health promoting. People who are curious tend to be healthier and psychologically and physically. They're they're motivated by trying to figure out how things are happening to them. And that that curiosity uh, helps them evolve physically and emotionally and helps them figure out how things are going things are going around around them around them and they continue to learn about the reality that we're in so one of the major functions of coincidence awareness is to activate and continue to nurture uh, curiosity yep i agree with that well that's one 
And that's that's one way that coincidences can help people become more healthy. How do they help people become more loving, do you think? I think the same way, because you start to get curious about the connections between people. So not yeah. just the connections in, in your life over time, but the connections between people. And, and applying that curiosity to a, a potential partner, rather than deciding you know the answer, but applying that curiosity can help you open up to both the similarities and differences that there are between you, I think. Oh, no question about that. Uh, when we started off uh, the show today, I talked about two instances, one involving me and one involving one of my patients, in which the reason for the breakup was the lack of curiosity about, uh, from one person about the other. Mm-hmm. If you're not curious, you don't learn, and the relationship does not continue to evolve, and as a result, the the one who 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 is not being curious curious about uh, begins to feel like that person doesn't exist like I'm not here in that other person's mind. Mm-hmm. So. And that may be true that that other person may just simply not be curious about the <laughs> other one, in which case then that's not a good match. In which case is not a good match, which led in both instances to one of the people uh, saying. I've had enough of this by text message and not doing it the best way, but it happened. So we've come to the end of our show, Julia. Thank you very, very much for for being with us today and talking about unconditional love, which is so hard to do, but we took a good shot at it. You've, you've been listening. <laughs> so thanks for being with us. So you've been listening to to, to the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our guest has been Julia Musbridge. Thank you. 